Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Manor Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host Ali, and joining me as always, we have Dave and Simon. How are we, chaps? Not bad, thank you. Aye, fantastic, thank you. <laughs> the sarcasm tone. <laughs> um, well, apologies for no show last week. The boss man let us down. We're, we're no recording. Um, but I mean, to, be, to be honest, Ali, we, we, we did record it. I just didn't know where it went. It, well, oh. there, was a, there, was a, there was a show. I was under the impression it had... Obviously, it didn't go out, but yeah, it uh, it happened. Oh, well, we're still blaming the boss man then, because it's all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are back for another couple of weeks till the next terrible international break. But we will come up with something for those weeks, whether it be even an eleven pieces of meat or just a little bit of fun. But anyway, we will start the weekend show review show with our usual Davey Simon quiz. A little bit different one for you tonight, chaps. I'm going to let you pick your own questions as such. So, Simon, I believe you won last week. Yep. I have 50 questions here. You can pick which number you would like. Well, would you like to go first or second? Uh, I've got to go first. Just just making sure. That's fine. <laughs> pick a number between 1 and 50. Uh, let's go number 9. Number 9. So, your first question. <laughs> Who won the first Premier League? <laughs> Those gits in Reds in Manchester, Man United. Unfortunately so. Dave, you uh, can't have number nine, obviously. Uh, Just to clarify. Uh, <laughs> I would have number eight then. Number eight. Which is the world's largest football ground? Oh, Jesus wept. <laughs> world's largest? What, like, in terms of seats or in terms of, like, actual size? Capacity. Uh, I'll give you even a clue 114,000 seats I mean I, I don't I mean I'm going to say like the fucking Camp Nou or something but it won't be but let's go with that yeah, that doesn't that's number four yeah. it is the Rangrado First of May Stadium you can't have make stadiums up where's that <laughs> I have no idea I thought it might be in the uh, Maracanã in Brazil that's where I thought it was in Brazil. Uh, it is a, no, it's in East Asia, North Korea. <laughs> why, why would North Korea need 114,000 people in a football stadium? I mean, that, that sounds like something that needs to be vigorously fact-checked, but you can't fact-check anything about North Korea. <laughs> that is true. It's actually just it's actually just like the training pitch on pairs and say, like, yeah, yeah, this holds 114,000 people. Prove us wrong. Wow. Alright, okay. That's a big stadium though. I was going to say we'll go there on a stag do, but probably won't be allowed to do that. Anyway, enough. Well, let's move on from there. Simon, question number two. Uh, I'll go 17. 17. Who was the youngest player to appear in the World Cup? Um. Pele? No, any idea, Dave? Not that you get a bonus point, but just out of curiosity. Probably some North Korean, was it? <laughs> oh, Norman <laughs> Whiteside. Uh, I heard North Korean had a six-year-old who played in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Stab, sound better about that question, Dave. <laughs> question two to equalise then, Dave. Uh, let's have question number one. Number one. Oh, quite an easy one. What is the full form of FIFA? The full form of FIFA is the... Uh, 
God, it's something like the Federation International Football Association, but in like French. Yeah, I'm going to give you that because you've got all the International Federation of Association Football. I'm going to give uh, you that. That's, that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> when you said it in French, I knew, I knew you knew it was in a different order. That's why I'm giving you it. Right, Simon, question number three. Uh, let's go 50. Oh. Who was the first Premier League manager who was fired? Oh, Christ. Oh, Absolutely not a clue. Um, I'll have a wild stab in the dark and say Alan Ball. Nope. Do you have any idea? I think it was from Southampton, but I can't remember his name, so it's not very much used to you. Ian Porterfield. Was it from Southampton, was it? Oh, you're making me Google. <laughs> oh, I mean, I silly me. <laughs> silly me thought it would say... I mean, I've never even heard of that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, other teams managed. He was sacked from Chelsea in between '91 and '93. 90, so yeah, it wasn't what I thought. Anyway, yeah. right. Yeah. Hey, well, well done, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, to take the lead. Uh, number three. When was the first Premier League played? When was the first, what, like just a year? Yeah, first season of the Premier League. 1992, stroke, 1993. Yeah, that's it. 3-2 to Dave. Question number four, Simon. Uh, 18. I'm sure we've had this one before. How many clubs played in the first Premier League? 22. Correct, 3-3. Yeah, I said 24 last time. Lesson learned. Question number four, to retake the lead, Dave. Uh, can I have number 49, please? 49. And your question is, the original FA Cup was stolen in which year? Stolen? Yeah. God, did you know it had been? Yeah, be that up. I don't know, there's a lot of theft around in the 20s. Let's go 1927. Well, before that, 1895. Bloody hell. Alright. Yeah. Simon, last question to save the tie. Um, 23. 23 for Simon. We have, what was the name of the first World Cup trophy? Oh, God, I know this. Oh, George May. Yeah. Is, <laughs> is that a new name for it? Because that was the only name I knew. It is, because um, it's obviously in the song. The same is still claiming, and it's like from when they won it in '66. Yeah. Yeah. But has the name different... changed? Is that yeah? Because it's... it's a different trophy now. All oh, right. Okay. I thought it was the same. Guess who doesn't watch international football, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, question five to win it for yourself. I think it's to stay in it, isn't it? I think I think I'm behind. Oh, that was that Simon equalised there to make it three-three. All right. Okay. Is it? I think I'm behind. I don't know, but I'll answer this question and we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> what number would you like? Oh, yeah, I have to do that. Uh, number five, please. Number five. Oh, my God. <laughs> the player who scored the fastest hat-trick in the Premier League is... Oh, oh God, it's, it's psych. It's, it's still Sadio Mane. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. I am fairly certain Dave has won that four three. 3-2, maybe, 4-3. I'm not sure. Um, but <laughs> on the basis, congratulations, Dave, and we'll see what happens. Um, let's talk some football, shall we? Um, not that we really want to. Um, none of us, <laughs> especially for you guys' teams on Saturday. Um, I guess we weren't really going to talk about this game until the, the aggro in the second half, but we started off the weekend with a Crystal Palace 3 Tottenham 0, Dave. Yeah, I mean, let me, let me name you some names and I'll tell you why this was the worst first half of football I've ever seen. So in the middle of the park you had James MacArthur, Czech Kiyate, Oliver Skip, Harry Winks. And some, somehow, somehow, it was nil-nil at half-time. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Don't forget Eric Dyer starting. Uh, well, Eric Dyer started and got, and got injured very fairly early on. I forgot to mention Hoiberg as well, who's not exactly, you know, creativity in there. So, yeah, <laughs> it was a just a total scrap fest. And then, to be fair, Conor Gallagher from, from Palace got hold of the game um, and was actually trying to make things happen. Uh, and then the game kind of turned when uh, Palace didn't put the ball out because Luke's mirror was injured. And then Zaha went past Tanganga, who just wiped him out. And then there was a scuffle. They were kind of lucky to avoid a red card there, and then Tangan got a second yellow short thereafter, and Spurs just imploded, which was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice when they. So, was the red card. It was a second yellow, yeah, and you were saying that. It was. I mean, the first one was obviously it was one of these where, like, he's made no attempt whatsoever to play the ball. Zaha's knocked it past him, and he's just blocked him off. I mean, it was, it was yellow all day long. Um. And then shortly after that, he kind of lunged for a 50-50. And, uh, yeah, got a second yellow. And then from there, I mean, Spurs, as I said, they already lost Eric Dyer, so they were down to, I think Ben Davies came on to play centre-back with um, Joe Roden, maybe. Um, so they weren't exactly blessed at centre-half. And they got a pen, which was, it was a pen. It was just a bit of a, it was a handball. Um, and then once that went in, Elton Edward came on and scored twice, which yeah. which was good for him. And, you know, hopefully Palace wins enough to play Jordan Ayew anymore because he's got something one in thirty. So Edward's already ahead of him. So good, good for Palace. Yeah, good, good for him. Bad for me, who's slated him for the past two weeks because everybody keeps telling me he's good, and I'm sick of telling everybody he's not. And then he does that. So yeah, <laughs> I look like the twat at the weekend. <laughs> Simon, I mean, Dave mentioned Conor Gallagher there, kind of taking the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, he's looking really lively and he's, he's learned so far this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was one of the sort of few bright sparks with West Brom last season as well, actually. He, he looks like a, a decent player. I'm not sure if he's going to really have a long-term future at Chelsea um, just because of the nature of how they, they operate, but he's certainly showing that he can he can be a you know decent player for another team in the Premier League. Um, and the, like the, I mean, the game itself, luckily, I sort of missed the first 50 minutes or so. I, I turned it on just as um, the uh, the fight erupted uh, between Tanganga and Zaha. And, <laughs> yeah, it got, got a bit more exciting from there. But one of my friends who'd been watching it, he, he texted me at half-time saying, are you watching this game? It is one of the worst I've ever seen. So... Thankfully, I, I didn't didn't seem like I missed out on anything there. Yeah, first first loss of the season for Spurs though, um, m- missing the two Argentinians obviously. Um, but apart from that, I mean Kane was back in the team, obviously full of confidence, getting goals for England. Um, should be kind of up to fitness again. But Crystal Palace have been fairly good this season from from the games I've seen them in, just not quite getting the points. Obviously, Vieira's still trying to like stamp his mark on it, but yeah, I mean, just in general, I mean, Spurs are going to be Spurs. I mean, they're not going to, they won't make top four, but they'll not really finish any lower than seventh, maybe maybe eighth at a push. But what what are we thinking for Crystal Palace for the first four games we've seen them? I mean, I suppose the first thing to consider is, you know, Spurs were missing Son and, and Bergwijn. Um, oh, and, you, yeah. and you, you could have just thrown a blanket over their entire attack. Like, there was no width whatsoever. So that played into Palace's hands a bit. But for Palace, they've, they've been better than I thought they were going to be. I, I don't particularly rate Vieira as a coach um, from what he's done in his career so far. And obviously, factoring the fact they had to buy almost an entirely new squad. Um but they've done okay. Um, they haven't been anywhere near as, as bad as I thought they'd be. Um, I think a lot of people thought, you know, they started away at Chelsea and that was always going to be hard. But they've hung in games. They got a good point at West Ham um, when West Ham were flying. Um, so to win this as completely as they did in the end will be a real shot in the arm for them. Um, so I, I think they the carry on like this. They're absolutely fine. And, and Edouard, and I know you don't rate him, but as I say, he's got to be better than what they already had up there. So... Yeah, well, the, other, the option was Christian Benteke, so yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, exactly, but it, it all hinges on Zaha as it did in this game. You know, if they can get him in games and and you know one on one with full backs or defender whoever, that you know they've always got a chance. But um, they've bought quite well at the back. Anderson was good for Fulham. I know they obviously went down there, but he was one of the better signs. Um, 
and the young lad, is it Gohei? I don't know how you pronounce it, but he was very good for Swansea in the championship and seems to be alright at making a step up so far. Yeah, no, that's fair. Simon, anything you add on, on Palace, I suppose, there? Um, no, I mean, I agree with what they said about Palace. I, I kind of wondered, would they struggle from trying to change too much too quickly? And, you know, they, they may rather end up struggling, but, yeah, they've had a pretty decent start so far. And, as you say, with Spurs there, uh, I mean, yeah, they're probably not, they're not going to trouble the top four, but I don't, I don't think they, they've got too much quality in those forward areas in Sun and Kane. Especially that they're not going to drop any lower than seventh, I think, really. Maybe eighth with, you know, if one of them gets an injury for a significant period, that, that could cause them a problem. But yeah, just a bit, it was bad day at the office for them. Yeah. Um, well, we've got the three o'clock games, which we had six of, um, so not been on TV. So they've been just catching glimpses and highlights where we can. Um, after the first half, it wasn't like it was going to be much of a podcast tonight, um, with almost every game being nil now, obviously, United scoring in injury time. Uh, we'll cover the, the, the Arsenal-Norwich relegation six-pointer. Arsenal getting a much-needed 1-0 win there, Dave. Yeah, I expect them to win. Um, I thought they'd probably you know, win more comfortably than they did. I thought Norwich did quite well to uh, stay in the game and in the end, Norwich, Arsenal got quite a, quite a scrappy goal. Um, weren't you know particularly fluent going forwards, but you know they got the points, which is all that matters when you when you've kind of lost three on the spin. So they'll build on it. Um, I thought Arteta was very brave in making the changes he made by bringing in pretty much all the new signings. Um, you know, Ramsdale played. It didn't have an awful lot to do. Uh, Tomiyashi is it the, the right back? Um, he. He played, and again, I, th- I thought he might get bedded in a bit slower, but to be fair, Arteta has gone for it and just put them all in at the same time, and they won, um, which is all that matters. Um, I still think they'll, you know, they might take a few weeks to get somewhere near decent, but I don't think they'll be anywhere near the bottom, the bottom half of the table when we, you know, when we look back at this in a few months, they'll be, uh, they'll be alright. Ruin enough, fun, Simon. I know. Yeah. I mean, I, Norwich. I. I think they really got it wrong with their starting lineup and Mr. Triff. They had Campwell and Gilmore both on the bench, which I just thought was such a strange decision. You know, Arsenal obviously had a dog of a start to the season, and it didn't take much for the fans to to start booing their own team. So I, I was a bit, I was a bit disappointed um, with with Farker doing that. And you'd have thought, you know, both teams bottom of the table with no points. There was a real opportunity to have gone and, you know, if they'd have gone and taken an early lead, we all know exactly how the atmosphere in that stadium would have gone. Um, so I thought it was just a really, really strange decision to leave those two players on the bench. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think, as you say, Arsenal were very vulnerable at the time. Um, I think you need to be kind of almost going <coughs> at them and try, as you say, turning the fans against them. Um, I mean, we'll cover a couple of games in one here just because there's not really much to. Much to say, especially when we're not managing to watch the games. Brighton getting a, a last-minute winner against Brentford, which is which is great for Brighton. Um, and obviously Southampton, West Ham, now now. Any talking points from either of you for, for either of the games? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I watched them on the highlights of the match of the day, and I can't remember anything that happened in either <laughs> of them. So <laughs> I don't know what that says. I, I mean, I guess, you know... Antonio getting sent off for West Ham yeah. was, a bit of, was a bit of a blow for them, but um, I think it's quite clear to see that we probably won't see West Ham as good as we did in the first few weeks of the season, because from, from here on, they're, um, they're going to be playing twice a week. Um, That's right, yeah, Europe's and, Yeah, and I, th- I mean, we say this, it's quite cliche, but English clubs of, you know, the West Ham, Everton, when we were in it, you know, we struggled to, to, to juggle both. Um mm. And I don't think West Ham. I know they've bought a few players on deadline day. They only have one striker fundamentally, and it's Antonio. Now, obviously, he's not going to be able to play next weekend against Man United, so he's presumably going to play Thursday now. Um, they're not going to be able to sustain that for very long, I don't think. So I don't think there'll be any, any sort of trouble, but I can't see them hitting the heights of last season just because the extra strains on the on the fixture list. 
Yeah, no, that's um, fair. I mean, another team who really struggled on Saturday, to be fair, um, is, is City, Man City. Um, only coming away with, I say only, obviously that's a bit harsh, because Leicester obviously are a top five team now, pretty much settled, but um, they had a few players missing, I believe, Leicester on Saturday. Obviously, Evans is still out long term, I believe. Um, does this show City's real need for a, a striker still? Possibly. I mean, just looking at the stats, uh, 25 shots yeah. on target. So, I mean, that is the risk you run, isn't it, with not having a sort of recognised out-and-out centre-forwards. But you kind of... That seems like a silly thing to say when you look at what City still did last season. Um, I, I don't know. I think they've... I, I, probably because in the majority of the games, they just tend to have so much of the ball... And create so much that they probably aim to get away with it for, I'd say, what, maybe 80, 90% of the games. Possibly when they're playing someone like Chelsea, who are, you know, from, well, from, in my mind, they're the favourites of the league, like for, for myself. So in sort of games like that, where you're maybe not going to have as many chances, that can be, that might be where they come unstuck by not having that. You know, a Harry Kane up front, but I mean, they they just win so more often than not. So maybe they, maybe they can just keep on doing it without that centre forward. Yeah, Dave, do you agree with that, or do you, do you reckon they they do need that number nine type? Oh, not really a number nine, but just a goal scorer for them. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways people get more out of winning a game like this than they would, you know, beating Norwich five nil. To go, I mean, everyone knows they can score goals. I mean, the thing is as well, they spread their goals out amongst the team quite well, as we saw last season. Um, but to go to Leicester, who, as we know, are you know, a decent team, very, very good team, in fact, um, to keep a clean sheet, I mean, kind of rode the look a bit with the, the Vardy offside and stuff. I mean, he was offside, but, you know, fine margins. Um, Leicester made a few chances, didn't score. To win 1-0 in a big game like that, I think, is probably one of the most... You know, one of the more pleasing results you can get as, as a manager. Um, so he won't be he won't be particularly worried. I mean, you know, they've still got what are the fourth of one, three out of four. They have scored eleven and have conceded one. So <laughs> I don't I don't have an awful lot to worry about just yet. Um, yeah, it's hard to complain. And it, I mean, he's, he's playing Torres up there at the minute too. You know, Torres plays up front for Spain. Like it's not like it's a fish out of water. It's um, he's got hat-tricks there. Playing for Man City, I think, in fact. So, if he's decided that's the way he wants to go, and as we know with with Pep, he doesn't necessarily go out and buy players to play a position. He'll take a player with the skills he has, he wants, and, and moulds them into what he wants them to be. Um, I, I think he's. I think they're in safe hands. I think he could he could literally pick any player and put them in a position, and all of a sudden they'd look better than they were beforehand. So, um, they're, they're going to take some stopping. If anybody could see my face there when Dave said Pep doesn't really buy players. No, well, what, well I mean, he doesn't buy like a, yeah, you know, he doesn't go out and buy a Lewandowski or a Kane. I know he tried to back him, but you know what I mean. He doesn't, he doesn't buy the already world class players, but he buys very good players and makes them better. Uh, I think we'll agree to disagree on that one as well with some of them, but. Um, as you, the the one point that you that City will take some stuff and for me they're still the best team in the league. Um, they're just they, they, I think we discussed it like one of the last shows. They they, they they almost score the same goal all the time. Like Sterling scores about fifteen goals and the exact same happen <laughs> almost every week, and and that's where City are at their at their best. Um, last game before we come on to you boys' games then, um, Wolves. Now, is this Wolves' first win? Wolves got 2-0 win away at Watford here. It was, yes. yeah. It was free on the bounce. And they really hadn't deserved it, Dave. But yeah. this, I mean, they finally come away with a really massive three points, just for confidence, I guess. Yeah, so the underlying stats for Wolves, I mean, obviously their, their opening games were a bit, a bit of a nightmare for them. You know, they had Leicester, who we spoke about, a very good team. Mm. Um, they had Manchester United. Um, and they had Tottenham, which is you know, it's three difficult games to start the season with. And the underlying stats for Wolves were that they, they were making a, 
load of chances and get into good positions. They just weren't weren't taking weren't taking the chances. Um, so now they've come up against you know Watford, who don't look anywhere near as threatening as they did on, on on the first game of the season, Sally, which I'll let you talk about in a moment. But uh, they look a bit toothless all of a sudden, and uh, uh, and Wolves thoroughly deserved to win here. They got two fairly scrappy goals, just to put it mildly. Um, <laughs> I think you know, Wolves might be the new Brighton in terms of making chances as just whether they can take them or not. Um, not many of the chances seem to be falling to Jimenez either. Um, so we don't really know if he's you know, back to his best or not. He's um, obviously very involved in the build-up play and stuff, but the actual you know, final chance doesn't seem to be falling to him particularly at the moment. But um, I'm sure that'll change because they've got actually a lot of very very good players. Um, and the, the style's actually better than it looks. I say you look, you look at it and go, well, you know, no goals and no points up until yesterday, and you're thinking, well, what, what is actually hired here? But the, the style of play is actually quite nice to watch. It's just uh, they're not getting the breaks at the moment until yesterday. Yeah, the cost are damn to all these segments. Yeah, I mean, he's right, Dave's right. You know, the, the first three games, obviously lost them all 1 0, but probably should have won all three of them. Um, and yeah, you kind of. It's a massive win, that is yesterday, because as you say, if they go fourth game without winning and without scoring, you start to you know, get get a bit panicky all of a sudden. Um, I mean, they and then they got a huge slice of luck with the goals, really. And the first one was a, a lovely finish from, from the Watford defender just at the wrong ends. <laughs> and then a, a very, very scrappy second goal to, to round it off. Uh, I suppose Jimenez has been out for so long, I think it's it's a case of he, he just he'll just need that first one to go in. He's, you know the old classic: as long as he just needs one to go in off his ass, and then it'll go on a run. You, you will hopefully for for his sake and for Wolf's sake, that's what will happen. And Watford, I agree. I mean, I, I think we they just caught us at a very good time on that opening day of the season um, because I I just haven't really seen anything from from the uh, the subsequent three games from them that that suggests they're gonna have too much of a fun season. It's just, they look so disorganised, I think, at the back, and I think they could be in for quite a, quite a long season. Yeah, such a shame. <laughs> <laughs> right, to the two games that I really just didn't want to discuss, and I'm sure neither of you boys want to either. Um, we'll come to the three o'clock one first, Dave, sorry. Um, Manchester United 4, Newcastle 1. I believe Man United has a new sign-in. Hmm. <laughs> I can debut again in this, but uh, yeah, they talk us through it. I mean, it pretty much went exactly as I thought it would, where we, you know, we we made a couple of chances, um, obviously equalised at one point. Before that, we had some good, good, absolutely fantastic openings, which we just didn't make the most of. Um, poor decision making, where we could just, you know, rolled it square and had tap-ins, um, and then they get sucker punched really by. You know, Greenwood takes a shot, it takes a slightly to deflection, but Freddie Woodman, awful goalkeeper, just drops it into the six-yard box, and there's, there's Ronaldo to score. Um, in the second half, we get out, we get our equaliser playing on the counter-attack, which again is what we're very good at, St. Maxman at the heart of it. Mankeo scoring, which was less expected, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and at that point, you're thinking, well, maybe they've blown themselves out, because... They had a few players, like obviously Ronaldo hadn't, hadn't really trained that much with with the team. I know he's, he's you know, probably fitter than most, to say the least, but there's, there's fitness and there's match fitness, isn't there? Um, but typically, you know, they went straight down the other end and, and got uh, and went back in front um, with, with, again, pretty poor goalkeeping. It's not the best hit from Ronaldo. He'll, he'll, have, he'll hit better shots this season, which don't go in. Um, uh, after that, kind of imploded a little bit. Bruno Fernandes scoring a good goal from 25 yards, but there's no one within 10 yards of when he hits it, which again is absolutely ludicrous for a team who defend in huge numbers. Um, to have no one anywhere near the edge of the box is just mad. Uh, and then they get a fourth in injury time, which uh, doesn't really surprise us, because <laughs> by that point, <laughs> their tails were up and we couldn't wait to get out. So, um, And Jesse Lingard, who is a very good player, Let's be honest, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he probably deserves to be somewhere better than getting 10 minutes cameos off the bench, which we'll probably have to settle for this season until he moves. Um, took a goal well, but we were well beaten by then. Um, the main talking points most this week are that Steve Bruce is 
on the attack. Not against not against other teams, obviously, but just <laughs> in in the media, he's just very very spiky in his, in his pre-match presser and then afterwards, just ripping into the media, um, which is hopefully a sign that he's cracking up and will re- and re- will resign. But it seems less likely. He'll want that. He'll want that dollar dollar bills pay off. So we'll uh, see how that develops. But we've got we've got Leeds next Friday. Um, which I'm sure we'll come on to Leeds later on, but um, it's Leeds at home. Uh, it's a game we've actually got to win, really. Um, we're second bottom with one point from four games. Considered the most goals in the league. Um, we desperately need a win. Yeah, like as you say, we'll come on to Leeds obviously in a little bit, um, but they're definitely there. For the, they don't look the same Leeds either um, as they have done. Uh, Simon, I mean, much to much to add on this. Um, I mean, one point I want to highlight and get your opinion on as well is is the Jesse Lingard thing because I think we've seen last season how good a player he could actually be with a bit of consistent playing. Um, where, yeah, where, where could you see him fitting in well? I mean, I actually quite thought he would end up back at West Ham this year on another loan, but I'm not sure if he signed another new contract with Man United. Um, I'm not sure if any of you two can elaborate on it. Uh, no, I think I heard a source in during the week that he'd rejected the new contract right, offer okay. from United. Uh, I did, on the point on Lingard, I agree. Funny enough, uh, last week at, at the England game, I was just, uh, we're talking about him and my mates were. I'm always kind of saying that I, I think he's, I think he's really made a mistake not trying to uh, maybe force the moves in the right expression, but not pushing to to move on from United this season. Because as you say, he's proved, he's shown that he's actually a more than capable Premier League player that most clubs outside of probably the top six, you know, would love to have him. And, you know, he, obviously the second half of last season, he, he did very, very well and was very close to getting into that England squad for the Euros. And you just kind of think if he'd have, say, gone to you know, West Ham or, Everton or, you know, one of those sort of clubs outside that top six, but pushing around the seventh, eighth mark and had a really good season. He could, there's no reason why he wouldn't be able to get himself back into that England squad on a regular basis to go to the World Cup next year. But if he's going to, if he's going to have a season of just getting sort of 10 minute cameos, there's, there's so many other good players, other English players around in those sort of attacking midfield positions that are playing more regularly, that are going to push their way ahead of him. So it's uh, yes, it's a shame, I, I think, for him and his career that that he hasn't he didn't manage to get a move this summer because he's too good a player to to just be sitting on the bench and only getting ten fifty minutes here or there. He's shown that he he should be playing week in week out because he can get goals. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, last game of the day, then, uh, Simon, talk us through the game and why. Tyrone Mings is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, we'll come to Mings in a bit. The game itself, um, you, you look at the results and you haven't seen the game, you'd suspect, so, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. Typical, probably a, a typical dominant Chelsea performance. I actually think Villa in the first half, I, at half time, I thought that we, we'd come off that pitch at half time, the better team. I, I, we created quite a few decent opportunities and, and played really well, which I wasn't expecting at all. Uh, we started with a new formation sort of uh, 5-3-2, which we haven't played before. Um, so you kind of think, well, how's that going to go? But we kind of, as I said, I thought we did quite well in, in that first half and we're looking that we could get back into it. But then the second goal right after half-time, that, that just completely killed us. And once Chelsea went, 2-0 up. I mean, going 1-0 down against them is difficult enough to get back into it. 2-0 down, you're pretty much knackered. And I mean, it was, there's no dressing up. It was a poor, poor error from Mings. I don't think Twan Zabi did him any favours with the pass to him in the first place. I, I don't think that that was the right decision from him. So he's, that, there was a catalogue of errors that, that led to that goal. And I thought Twan Zabi actually was poor for the first goal. I thought he, he dived in on Lukaku way too quickly. Um, and then, what you had to say, once we were 2-0 down, the game was gone. Uh, trying to take positives from it, I thought 
Jacob Ramsey in that first half was really, really good. He he was um when we played against Newcastle a couple of weeks ago, that was his first start of the season. And he was excellent. That day he, he seems to have developed and kicked on quite a bit at the start of this season. I thought John McGinn had a really good first half as well. Um but I mean Chelsea signing Lukaku, I mean we've sort of said it before. I think it's just it's a real game changer for them. That I think that's the game last season. I don't think I, I don't think we'd have lost that game. I think we'd have got a point out of it. But if you've got a striker like that who you know two shots both have ended up in the back of the net, it's a clinical, clinical player. And I suppose if you uh, if you're looking at it from a Chelsea point of view, you'd say if we've won we've won a game three nil when we haven't been great. That you know that doesn't bode well for the rest of the league. If you, you can turn and perform, uh, get a result like that on that performance, what they're going to be like when when they really start firing. But um, yeah, just disappointing. I didn't expect us to get anything from Stamford Bridge. I thought we could have, especially after say that forty-five minutes. But you know, you just got to dust yourself down and, and think. You know, I hope there'll be better days ahead for us. Yeah, it was always going to be tough for them, Dave, especially without obviously arguably the arguably the best keeper in the league on form wise just now and one of the most creative players in Quinziva, however you pronounce it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um yeah, it was always going to be a struggle right from the off, especially against obviously that Chelsea team who we've all well, who you both have his favourites for the title. Yeah. Well, that's that's really quite well to be honest, and uh, it was only some good goalkeeping kept it to uh, Chelsea being in front, but certainly by half time. Um, I think, uh, as you said, Lukaku was playing a different game a lot of the time, but I'd also agree that Tuanzevi sold himself down the river for that first goal. Um, I, t- I don't want to be too harsh on Steyer because I don't think he had too much chance with the goals, but Martinez might have saved it. I thought he was. I thought he made himself quite small considering the character was on top of him. He did, <laughs> he did quite a good job of shrinking, but um, uh, yeah, you know, it didn't affect the result, I don't think. Um, for Villa, I thought he looked quite good in that system, but playing that system means you know you can't really fit Bailey in, who also looked ridiculously good when he came on. I thought he, uh, I think he hey, made, made Alonso look very, very silly, which I'm always a big fan of. So. <laughs> oh, oh, that, that, that was one thing that um, so I was watching the game in the pub with a few mates, and we kind of all said, you know, Leon Bailey looked, he looked like a, a pretty decent player when he came on. But as you say, in that three-five-two system, you, I don't see where he fits in. And to be honest, you struggled to fit Bailey into it. But as we were kind of saying... For the first time in years, we've now got options that, you know, depending on who you're playing against, we can play in a couple of different formations. And also, we've now got a bit of strength on the bench. I mean, the, if you'd have said you know, a couple of years ago that the Weeds go into a game with a £30 million pound player sitting on the bench, you'd be thinking, well, what, has he been disciplined <laughs> or something? What's, what's going on there? But... You, you know, if you want to progress, you, we've got to have a better squad, and and that's that's what we've done. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, you're right in that formation, Bailey. You, you, he needs to be playing like in like a four-three-three or something. I don't think you'll you'll stick with a five in in most games, but again, it, it's um, it was probably good for Smith to say that you could play that against you know one of the probably the best team in the league. Put up a really good performance. So as you say, you've got lots of options, both you know players-wise, but also tactically. Um, you do seem to spend all summer work on your long throw routine, um, <laughs> which, which it kind of has paid dividends. You've made chances from it just about every game, I think. But uh, yeah, but didn't didn't don't think uh, some of the playmakers thought saw that coming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chelsea in the weekend in second with Man United on top after that. Um, Sunday, only one game, um, which is which is weird for Sky. been so many at 3 o'clock on a Saturday and only one on a Sunday. Um, but it was Leeds-Liverpool. Um, Liverpool coming away with a very comfortable 3-0 win. Um, tight, I say tight first half, but if Liverpool had taken chances or just the odd move, um, it should have been 3-4 at half-time. Um, and then for, so Salah opened the score and Fabinho with a kind of scrappy goal 
just after half time, and then Sario Mane in the last minute. Uh, did you boys watch this one? Yeah. I did, yeah. Uh, yeah, thought, I mean, thoughts on it, Simon. I'll come to you first on it. Um, but I thought Leeds were very, very poor right from the start. Not the same intensity that they normally play with. I know they're missing boys and, and yeah. for Leeds, but they just they look very lacklustre. Yeah, I mean, you you describing it as a very comfortable 3-0 win is possibly the understatement of the <laughs> season so far. I mean, Liverpool battered them from, from start to finish pretty much. Uh, as Leeds, I, I kind of agree, yeah, they they seem to have had like a bit of a sticky start to the season. Obviously, going away to United on the opening day and playing Liverpool, you know, they're, they're two tough games to sort of you know, open your season with. And it's, I think though, I think it's Rednack after the game was sort of talking about. It. I think it's something we've touched on before. And it's that if against those top six teams, do they have to find a different way of playing? And I know, like a lot of Leeds fans will kind of, and quite rightly, will say, well, you know, why should we find a different way? We want to be entertained, and it is entertaining, which is true, but. At what point does that argument uh, start to ring a bit hollow? And you know, does do you know what I mean? At what point does that argument yeah. start to not stack up anymore? I don't. I'm not saying that you know right now that they need to adopt a new style of play. But I mean, you've got. I know when you're playing those teams, you're probably not expected to win, but you've got to. You've still got to give yourself the best opportunity, surely, of getting getting something from those games and. I don't. I I don't know if I'd be happy for my team to just blatantly outright sacrifice any points against those teams. Because, but then but we can come away going, well, at least at least we're entertaining. I I don't know how I'd feel about that. I mean, obviously they've been out. They've been out the Premier League for so long, so you can accept them wanting to enjoy it. But at some stage, you've got to if you want to progress. You, they they ever want to move from a mid-table team to then pushing into that top seven or eight. You can't, that won't happen with them still playing that way against those teams. Do you not feel playing, playing devil's advocate here? Because I can kind of see what you mean, but also as a Rafa Benitez fan, I've seen the, the stick, and I mean Dave can testify to this as well, how much how much abuse he took, especially when he was Newcastle manager, how much abuse he took for being like, Ultra defensive against the the top teams and you know scraping points and and still losing a lot of those games as well because ultimately those top teams. Whereas I feel Leeds will, especially the more they're in the Premier League, and it's it's not how Leeds play that's the issue. It's the terrible players they have. <laughs> that's the issue, you know. So like, can you imagine, say, four four years down the line with Premier League money coming in and gradual improvement, you know, in in certain positions, but still playing the same way. They're, it's almost it's almost like Liverpool light, you know, when Klopp first took over and the whole like quotation marks here, heavy metal football, where it was just <laughs> you know overrun over power. You know, if you can do that with like an Adam Lallana, and I mean, we a Riggy used to play for us, remember? Field um, <laughs> Leeds could do the same, and they'll take more points. Well, not that they'll take more points, but winning games. So say there's what. So sit the top six, so that's twelve points. Say they win five of them or four of them and lose the other seven. Um and there's still big losses, say, you know, the the females, the four ls the five ones, etc. But those four or five wins are more important than say taking seven draws and losing the rest anyway by playing, you know, a different style. Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, the problem with Leeds is that you mentioned Benitez as a comparison. <laughs> Rafa would work on the back four probably for 45 days out of seven. Yeah. And they'd be drilled and they'd be capable of, you know, putting a performance on where they are a drilled back four and they keep a clean sheet and they barely cross the halfway line in 90 minutes. If Bielsa's coaching style isn't to do that, they're not going to suddenly do it, you know, in the build to a game against Liverpool. And certainly not after an international break. So, it's. Um, I don't think it's as easy to say. Well, let's play everyone behind the ball. That's basically, you know, if you do that, you're basically Newcastle, um, <laughs> where you're doing that without any sort of, you know, plan. Um, 
I, I think with with Bielsa, you have to just buy into that is his philosophy is that the best form of defence is attack, and we're going to put our best players out, and we're going to try and win every game, um, regardless of who the opposition is. Um, so far from it's worked. Um, he obviously went through a very sticky patch when it didn't get promoted in his first season, um, and I think people thought they were probably tired from his style of play and maybe not having the full conditioning for it, but you know, since then they've been pretty much faultless and getting promoted and then finishing what was it, ninth, tenth in the end. Yeah. So so far it's you know, it's generally been very been, been very good for them. Um I asked Ross this on the, the pod that never made an appearance last week. Um if he thought the spark had gone. I didn't think so so much. Um, you know, Burnley kicked off the park a little bit. They played Man United away sorry, uh, yes away. Um I think they drew with Everton at Elland Road, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um and then, you know, the Liverpool today, difficult game. Most teams will lose to Liverpool. Um I don't think it's panic time for them yet, but they aren't as good as they were last season, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean it's not the loss to for me today. I just felt they were very dare I say tired. And just you know, the pressing wasn't there. They were, I think, I, I don't often agree with Gary Neville when he's talking because it's usually nonsense. But he said today, like it, it's hard to it's hard to put down leads when you know they're constantly trying to go forward. But like today, as I say, the pressing wasn't there. But every time they did get the ball, like if Liverpool lost the ball, like leads were kind of just almost trying to be really direct and going forward right away. So it was a, it was almost a quick turnover right away. So they were automatically straight back on the back foot because there was no no composure when they had the ball and then no real intensity to get the ball back when they didn't have it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know how much of that's down to just sort of the start of the season they've had, where they yeah. where you know you're kind of desperate to make amends and you quite often see it with teams who are low in confidence. Um, I think as well I mean, today they lost. Probably two two defenders, one to injury and one to a red card. I guess we'll talk about it in a second, but um, it's always been a bit of an Achilles heel for Leeds. Um, yeah. They have good players going forward, but the defence has been a bit of an afterthought. Um, and now the you know another two bodies down. So are we going to go back to last season and end up with you know four backs playing centre half and that kind of thing? It's um, I guess that's the problem with playing high risk football is that your defenders are always going to be uh, stretched to say the least. And I think the, the point you're sort of making about them, just for some reason, they're just they're not looking at as good as they were last season. It's quite a big one because if you think, so obviously they, they lost uh, to Liverpool, was it 4-3 the first day last season? And they got, it was, I think it was 6-2 to Man U, Old Trafford. But in mm. both of those games, they could have very easily won both of those games because they were... They were they were a threat going forwards constantly in both those games. But in the defeat today and the defeat to Manu on the opening day, they didn't look a threat going forwards for me. And that that's that's a big thing. If you're if you're going to play the way that they play and uh, you leave yourself exposed at the back, that's all well and good if you if you're then still providing a threat in the opposite way, but. When there's no threat being provided, really, in those two games, and you're still, they're not, you know, being sharp and tight at the back. That that's where that's where I think an issue's possibly starting to form. Yeah, I think the biggest thing Leeds have got going for them is they're nowhere near one of the three worst teams in the league. They will get, yeah. you know, to to be com- really comfortable, not not scrape like seventeen, sixteen. I mean, you can still comfortably see them sitting like 10th and 11th, you know, well clear of the, the bottom. And we've mentioned Watford look look really poor. I, I don't see any improvement from Norwich from the time up. Um, they're just a really good championship team. And I just think Leeds are a bit like last year. So, I mean, that's them lost, lost three, drawn one now. Uh, is that right? Uh, lost two, drawn two. Drawn two, so sorry, two points, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's almost still that 50-50 booking that they had last year. Um, they just didn't draw many games last year. It was wins and losses. Um, I think they'll be comfortable. Um, I think, yeah, we'll come on to the red card since you, you brought it up, Dave. Um, obviously, it was a, 
I highlighted in the in the group chat about what our thoughts. I mean, before I give my opinion on it, I mean, Simon, what was your thoughts on the the decision? Um, obviously, we, the the poor boy's injured, and we'll see how he is for recovery. It's a horrible challenge, a horrible injury. Let me come back. Yeah, I'm horrible, horrible injury, and yeah, as you say, hopefully, hopefully he'll come back uh, with, with no lasting problems because he started off the season quite nicely, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a real shame for, for the lads himself, you know, just break into the Liverpool team at 18 years of age. Um, so yeah, best wishes for him. The the red card is I'm really sort of conflicted on it because I I get the point that people make that. If you, you know, if you've caused that sort of injury, completely accidental, by the way. But if you're, if that challenge has caused an injury like that, then how, how can it not be deemed reckless and a red card? But at the same time, well, obviously I've only seen it in because I haven't shown any proper replays of it, or I haven't seen any anywhere. So I only saw it in real time. It, it did. I've got to say, it did just look like a good, a good tackle to me, and. and just really, really unfortunate. I've seen a few of the pundits and commentators said that they have, that they've seen the replays and that, you know, it should be a red card. I think it's just a really tough one because it's one of those that if, if he doesn't, if that challenge doesn't result in him breaking his ankle, I don't even know if a free kick would have been given for that. And I, I, I know that sounds like a really silly thing to say, but I don't, I don't know if, without seeing a proper replay of it, was it a forceful challenge and contact that has caused the break, or did his foot was his foot just in an awkward position as contact was then made, and, and that's what's caused the problem? So I can I can see why a red card has been given because it is resulting in such a horrific injury, but part of me wonders. It, has he not been? Is he? Has he just been sent off because? Oh, he's actually got a bad injury. Or oh, was the challenge worth it? I'm, I really don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, Dave. Well, I watched this back after Ross's comments in the in the group chat, and when the the, the tackle goes in, the ref doesn't give anything that I can see, and it's, it's almost I, he doesn't doesn't gesture play on. He doesn't seem to give a free kick or anything. Uh, it's only when um, Salah obviously points out that you know his legs point in the wrong direction, the yeah. game gets the game, the game gets stopped, and uh, obviously physios come on and stuff. So at some point after that, the ref apparently decided it was a red card, and that was what we were told by the commentators: is that the ref was always going to give a red, and he was just you know waiting until sort of the the physios had been on to actually issue that red card. Um, I don't believe that. I, I think he's seen the injury and then decided to give a red, um, which isn't really the right way to do it. It's it's the type of tackle that I think the same kind of tackle got made about, about five minutes later um, on Mane in the corner, and he got the ball and they played on, and that was that. Um, it's a bit unfortunate because he's kind of hooked around him, and then kind of you know whether whether the way it's followed through from that, he's got his leg trapped under him and. And what's happened happened. So it's um it's a it's a funny kind of red card because it's not like a two footed lunge where he's gone in and you think, Oh, he's gone in to hurt him there. He's just trying to recover possession, isn't he? Um so I think it's it's probably a bit harsh to be a red card in my opinion. Yeah. I'll I'll start by saying that I in no way do I think there was any like intent or it was even a dirty challenge. Um but for me, it's a clear, it's a clear red card. It's serious foul play at its finest. I mean, in the laws of the game, it states um, in danger and the safety of the opponent. Obviously, he's broke his, broke his ankle and he's dislocated it. But it's more the, it's more the lunge, and it's not so much the, the tackle because he doesn't. When you see the replay, you like obviously you've seen it, Dave. You see it back, so he, he doesn't actually win the ball when he with the, I believe it's his right leg that is the lunge. Um, but he only gets the ball once both players have went down and then he gets back up. That's the first time he touches the ball. Um, and it's his left leg that actually causes injury. So his left leg's behind him from where he's lunging. And I, I'm not sure if it's his stud, but the, the boot goes into uh, Elliot's calf as they're going down. So that's where the impact of the 
I assume that's where the impact of the injuries went, and then obviously then the collision would have rolled together as well. Um, I, I completely agree, Dave, on the, the referee side. It was very strange. And the commentary trying to cover it up, what was going on, was just was very, very strange. Um, what, what do you make of clopping on the pitch, which I know it's a kind of different yeah. circumstances, but I just I didn't think it was necessary? Yeah, I agree. I just... I... I I can understand the reaction on the, the human ele- element, you know, young lad and all that, but yeah, there's absolutely no need for it whatsoever. There's enough players there, you know, it's not like he was near the player. You know, if, he, if he'd ran on to see the player, but it's yeah. like, not that there was no concern for the player, but it was just, yeah, it was a, almost an overreaction without sounding really harsh on him, but it was almost attention seeking. Whisper it quietly for the dear <laughs> me. But yeah, it came across attention seeking for me, and there was absolutely no need for it. Do you um, think? Do you think it was anything to do with his recent comments about um, you know this player being roughed up by other teams? I think it was after the Burnley game where he said, "Yeah, yeah absolutely." Know, I think he's interviewed after the game um, with the with the, the the upsetness, and he didn't want to talk about that sort of stuff after the game. I think we'll hear another statement this week regarding that, and be almost like a. I told you so. Um, I mean, there's barely been a tackle in the whole game before that. I know there was a few, actually a few, car, a few cards handed out before that, which were, there were more fouls that kind of stopped attacks, I think, rather than being yeah. nasty tackles. Um, I mean, the only one that I would say was a, a real foul, and it was actually arguably a red card, was, I believe it was Cooper on Jota at the edge of the box, which the referee actually said play on to that one as well. Oh, and then he pulled, uh, then he pulled <laughs> he it actually back. He actually did see play on to that one. It was, yeah, but, but he almost elbows him in the face deliberately. Like he looks at him and he's like, oh, I'll shove my hand up here. Um, <laughs> that was, yeah, as you say, I think Klopp's comments came, on, came off the back of that Burnley game, though, wasn't it? Yes. Um, where Harvey Elliott literally got a belly back suplex um, off the ball. <laughs> um, I mean, poor Elliott. He must be the most foul player in the league this year. He's just. Not actually had any fouls, but he's just been thrown about like a ragdoll. <laughs> you, you child. Um, but look, we laugh and joke, but speedy recovery. Um, obviously, a horrible injury to have. You know, as you said, Simon, he's been fairly lively at the start of the season. Um, he must be in his, his element, getting so many, so much minutes at the start of the season. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, as, as I said before, it's, it's a real shame, and I, I don't know if you've seen. Um, if you saw earlier um, on Twitter, someone posted <laughs> that um, it's a uh, young Liverpool lad who's in the hospital with a broken arm, and apparently Harvey Elliott was brought in to the like, same room. Yeah, and uh, it's given him his, his shirt and, and boot from the game. So it's, it's nice. You know, that, 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 that's really nice. You know, he's, he's obviously he must be devastated, but sort of still sort of take the time and make you know make make a young fan say better. He, Fair play to the lads, and yeah, I just really wish him a speedy recovery because yeah. I'd quite like to see him back playing back soon because he, he could have a could have a bright England future as well. That kid. Yeah, absolutely. Attention seeking at its finest from that young lad. Don't break his arm deliberately just because you yell. But that brings us to the end of the end of the games. Um, we do have a game tomorrow night, though, chaps. Um, I'll come at you first, Dave. A little prediction on the Everton Burnley game. Oh, I mean, I hope Everton win nine hundred nil if possible, but um, I think I think Everton will win um, and probably fairly comfortably at that. Let's go for three one. Uh, Simon, uh, I'll go three nil. I think I mean Dave's put too much faith in Burnley getting a goal in this one, unusually for for Dave. So <laughs> yeah, I mean Burnley have just had a rotten start to the season. Everton have had a very good start, so I can't see anything other than comfortable Everton win here. Well, me and my buddy who I had in the taxi last night in Perth, a, a Burnley season ticket holder, um, we are we are going for a, a two-one Burnley win. Uh, <laughs> I will never, I will never ever give Everton even under Rafa any credit, um, and we are Sean Dyche fans. So it was amazing. He even gave me his Burnley hat. He promised to subscribe and listen to the podcast. So I now have a Burnley cap in my house, and we're halfway there to being Sean Dyche, Dave. <laughs> You just need to grow a disc beard now and then you absolutely saw this. 
it's, that'll take me a good couple of years if we want to do that. Um, <laughs> well, that's the end of the games. That's the, the prediction for tomorrow night. Let's go on to our Super Sixes for the weekend. Um, were they any good for yourselves? I got eight points. Uh, Dave, what about yourself? Uh, I think I did quite well. Uh, hang on. Uh, round. I got 11 points. Oof. I know. Um, as well, like a lot of the games are like one goal out getting them spot on. So, yeah. Just having a look at your one there. Yeah, you were not far away at all. That You're million, well at the West Ham one. <laughs> uh, well, so the, that million pound was on its way at one point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Simon, and it was nine points for yourself. Yeah, not bad. Got one correct score and wasn't two, you know, one goal here or there away from getting a couple more. So yeah, I'm, I'm relatively happy with that. I'm gonna guess the boss um, failed to do his zero <laughs> points there. But um, as the league stands so far, Dave on top with 39 points, um, well behind in second is myself <laughs> for eight, and just keeping up behind is Simon on 26. Um, Dave, it's like fantasy football all over again. There's no point in us coming up. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been very fortunate so far. We'll, <laughs> we'll the, see how it goes. The next round of fixtures, obviously for the podcast, will not be up yet, but just for a bit of a bit of fun, let's just do the Tuesday night ones while we're here. Have you done yours, or are you doing yours live at the same time as well? Uh, I just did mine before we started. Yeah, same here. Oh, well, I'm doing mine as we go. So, Dave, go, we'll go with the Chelsea Zenit St Petersburg game first. What have I've, you I've gone 3-0 to Chelsea. Simon? Snap. 3-0 Chelsea. And 3 for 3 because I've gone 3-0 <laughs> uh, Simon, I'll come to you first then. Barcelona or Bayern Munich? I've gone 3-1 by Munich. Uh, uh, Dave? I've gone 2-0 Bayern. And I've gone 3-1 as well. Um, Dave then West Brom versus Derby Uh, I've gone 2-0 to West Brom Simon I've gone 4-0 West Brom I watched the Derby game on Friday night so bad absolutely (laughs) atrocious so bad Uh, against uh, an average at best shall we say Birmingham City team so against West Brom I think they're going to get absolutely pumped (laughs) 4-0 I did enjoy that Don Goodman uh, on commentary saying that Dini's return to Birmingham was the championship equivalent of Ronaldo to Man United, which is... <laughs> <laughs> I thought only Aston Villa had the, the Ronaldo equivalent and Neil Gazi. I thought that's what he was. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, I mean, I mean Dini, he, he's certainly a championship equivalent of... Uh, of a superstar, I think that's, that's fair enough. He's definitely a championship equivalent or something. Um, <laughs> I've gone 3-0 West Brom in that one. Um, Bournemouth Simon against QPR. Uh, 2-0 Bournemouth. Hey, Dave? I've gone 2-2. I've gone 2-1 Bournemouth. Uh, Sheffield United, Preston then for yourself, Dave? Uh, 2-1 to Sheffield United. Uh, Simon? 2-1, Sheffield United. And 1-1 one, one for myself. Uh, and then Simon, last, Blackburn versus Hull. Uh, I've gone for boring 1-0 Blackburn. Hey, Dave? I've gone one each. I have gone 2-1 Blackburn, um, purely because I've got my Harvey Elliott still on, even <laughs> though he's not there anymore. So that is it for that. And that brings us to end. Any other business to bring up, gentlemen? Uh, no, I don't think so. Cha- 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 obviously, cha- I was just talking about the Champions League being back this week, so that's that's good. Um, but no, nothing, uh, nothing else of note for me. No, nope, not for me either. Right then, Simon, let everybody know where they can find you and and promote your other podcast so on, on Twitter at Sire Regan and for Villa fans, it's the Holtcast podcast and the website seventy five hundred to Holt. Right, Dave, now here comes your 20 minutes of fame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at cm9798, uh, or the website is cm9798.co.uk, uh, or Thursday night I'll be on Twitch with Tony Jameson's Thursday night fantasy football. That was, that was much shorter than I expected. Um, 
you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms. Uh, Chris and the gang and his merry misfits will be back on Friday morning with the preview of the next weekend's games and reviewing all the Champions League and Europa League and Europa Conference League and every other game that Chris manages to find and whatever football <laughs> app he actually watches. Um, so yeah, please give us a like, subscribe, rate, review all that good stuff but we will be back next Monday with a review of the next weekend's games um, and, uh, and we'll bring back the quiz with a little bit more constructiveness next week <laughs> um, anyway chaps thank you very much as always for joining me thank you thank you thank you at home for listening and always remember to keep your man in the post